Me, JP. There we go. All right. Got to have my tools when I come. <laughs> my voice was failing me a, a moment ago, and I just need to make sure that I be ready to share the first word. Now, when you have, there's more in here. <laughs> when you have the first word and when you have the benefit and the privilege of serving with the illustrious team that I'm a part of, you're glad to go on and get up first and get out of the way so that they can go in and, and, and come on. And, and I looked up to see when you have a seven-course meal, what's first? And the first thing is the hors d'oeuvres. So I guess tonight I'm your hors d'oeuvres, amen? Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't begin by giving honor to God, who's the head of my house and my life, um, <clears throat> thanking him just for the opportunity to find me a humble servant worthy enough to stand at this time. Tabitha, don't start timing, because... I haven't said the prayer yet, okay? <laughs> I'm grateful for Pastor Swan, Lady Swan, for the support that they give us and the yielding of this sacred desk to the associates to have the opportunity to share God's word with God's people. I'm grateful for my fellow yoke bearers who 
had been praying with me that God would calm my nerves and calm each of our nerves as we come and share his word with you today. I'm grateful for my family. I have my daughter here and my wife here. Um, there's nothing that I could accomplish without their support. Clearly, without my wife, um, I would probably not even be court, well, I am coordinated tonight, but this tie probably wouldn't be yellow, it'd probably be a darker color because, you know, I, I, I was not as expansive with my desire to, to separate. Um, what I'm going to ask you all to do before we get started, because what we're talking about is the seven last words of Christ from the cross. So I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. Imagine Jesus Christ, one who was without sin, being nailed to the cross for a crime you and I committed, being ridiculed for a crime you and I committed. During this time, Jesus knows He's about to be separated from God because our fleshly desires. During that time, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Let us pray. Our precious and heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to be in this space. Lord, I ask that you hide me behind the cross. You reduce the flesh. You allow the Holy Spirit to just take over this vessel and share your word with your people. Lord, I ask that you open each of our hearts and our minds such that we may receive that which you have for us. Lord, that it may, that it may be planted on fertile ground and that we may utilize it once we leave this place. This is my prayer I ask in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There are three words that I want to use for the title of the message this evening. Those three words are three words that my family, my co-workers, my friends seldom ever hear come out of my mouth. The reason being is because I can generally justify everything I say or I do. Those three words are I am sorry. If during this message I hit your street, I dare you to yell out to God, I'm sorry. For those who are watching online, if I hit your street, I dare you to drop in the chat, I'm sorry. Now, what I want to do here is I, I can't, I don't have enough time. How much time I got to have? I don't have enough time to really use the NIV, the King James, or even the English translation. I got to use the Sean translation, okay? So we're going to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, the first chapter. We're going to hit three chapters in Samuel, and I'm going to do it in seven minutes, okay? Elkanah had two wives. His two wives were Paniah and Hannah. Paniah had children. Hannah did not. Paniah ridiculed Hannah because Hannah did not have children. 
Hannah wept because she felt less than a woman. Some of us think we are less than because we don't have what someone else has. We judge our success by what our culture says we should have or what it says we should do. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Hannah prayed to God for Samuel. Robin, God blessed Hannah with Samuel, and Hannah gave Samuel back to the Lord. Now, let's go on over to the second chapter. Chapter 2. Samuel began to serve in the temple. I'm going to say that again. Samuel began to serve in the temple. Some people come to the house of the Lord, but they're inactive. They choose to sit, to listen, and they decline to become engaged. Some say they're waiting to hear what God wants them to do. One may say they're a fan, not a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Now, let's go to 1 Samuel 3. When we get to 1 Samuel 3, it starts by telling us that Samuel is asleep and God calls him. Meech, Potter, Rev, pay us. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come on now, we on my time. Right there. P, you over here. Potter, you here. Sit there. You sleep, you sleep. Now I need you to, to get this. Samuel is asleep. He's in the temple. Eli is the prophet of the temple. Eli is asleep. God is everywhere. God calls out to Samuel. Samuel wakes up. God is calling him. He goes to Eli. You call me? No, I ain't call you. Go back to sleep. Go to sleep. They're back asleep. God calls Eli, I'm sorry, Samuel, a second time. Samuel goes back to Eli. I, had to be I told you, you're young, you gotta move. All right. <laughs> Eli tells him again, it won't me. Go back to sleep. God calls Samuel a third time. Samuel again gets up, goes to Eli. It's, this time, Eli recognizes that Samuel's being called by the Lord. He now tells him, go back to sleep, but the next time you hear him call you, say, Lord, speak. Samuel goes back to sleep a fourth time. 
God calls him again. This time... Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Okay. All right. Samuel gets it right. He goes to the Lord to see what it is that the Lord has for him to do. Amen? All right. Thank you all. What I want you to understand is God is calling some of us, but we're not waking up to answer his call. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. When Samuel heard Eli, well, when Samuel heard the call, he thought it was Eli, and he went to him, he said, here I am. How many times has God called you, and you've gone to, to man, and offered your services to man? How many times have you had a spiritual need, and you sought to fill it with a natural solution? Some of you might not understand what I'm asking, so let me ask it a different way. How many times have you sought relief by asking man what you should do? How many times have you tried to solve a problem by earning more money? The prophet Christopher Biggie Wallace said, more money, more problems. How many times have you tried to solve a problem by losing yourself in sex, in alcohol, in drugs, in a shopping spree, by watching TV, by making yourself so active that you forget the problem? Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Three times Samuel heard his name called while he was asleep. Each time he went to Eli. The third time Eli told Samuel, the next time you hear your name called, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Somebody just missed his or her shout. Eli told Samuel, the next time. Somebody here needs to know that God hasn't given up on you. God has impregnated you with a mission for his kingdom. He's calling you to wake up and say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. He wants you to be a follower and not a fan. Your inaction to date is why Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. God, I'm sorry. We certainly give honor, glory, praise, and worship to the name of King Jesus tonight. His name is the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. Son, I give an honor to my wife and to our daughters in their absence. 
Uh, we truly thank you all for your prayers and to our village who have supported us throughout the past couple of weeks. We truly thank you. Giving honor to pass and to Lady Swan, thank you so much for once again allowing this opportunity for us to share our gift uh, here at IAV. And, and lastly, to my co-laborers in ministry, I say this without contradiction. These are my favorite preachers. One of the things I love about Ivy is that when preaching needs to be done, we don't do much outsourcing. All the talent is in the house. Amen. I have a second word. It is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, starting at verse 39. As you get it, I'm not saying that God is a practical joker. However, I had a well-prepared sermon up until this morning. God scratched it. Gave me a brand new sermon. And so I'm going to give the best I got. Amen. 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 First thing nine says that one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying if you are the Christ save yourself and us but the other answering rebuked him saying do you not even fear God seeing you are under the same condemnation and we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I like the new king, I like the King James, verily. Truly, I tell you today that you will be with me in paradise. Let us pray. God, help me, help us. Amen. Amen. Pastor preachers across the years have proclaimed and celebrated the joy it must have been for a repentant thief to experience the salvation of Jesus in the fleeing moments of his life. And we'll get to him in just a second. But for the next few moments, I would like to direct your attention and your observation to the other thief to the unrepentant one. It is the other thief, Ivy, that teaches us a deep theological lesson tonight. It is this thief, Meech, that provides deeper clarity about a question that we wrestle with in the Christian faith. One of the questions that we hear often and maybe in new discipleship classes is, is there any way I can lose my salvation? A better way to ask that question is, is there any sin that is unforgivable? Now, if you read your Bible, or you've been to Bible study, you will know that in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12, it says the only unforgivable sin in the Christian faith is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Or to paraphrase, blaspheming God. 
But in that context, Reverend Person, that means that after you have come into the knowledge of God, after you have come into his revelation, after God has shown you all the things that God has done for you, after God has already blessed your life, after God has already kept you, after God has already healed you, and at some point you find a need to reject God, that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But that's not the definition of blaspheming in the text. See, the other thief gives us a more clearer definition, a more deeper definition, a more convicting definition of what it means to blaspheme God. Watch it. Verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanging there blasphemed, read the word, blasphemed him. Now, it didn't say, Pot, that he cussed at Jesus. It didn't say that he rejected Jesus. It didn't say that he cursed Jesus. What it says is that he blasphemed him by saying, if you are the Christ, then prove it. It's the word. Look at this word. He blasphemed him. By just saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and save us. Here is a troubling word for both the believer and unbeliever. Because some of you may be walking a thin line of blaspheming God and you don't even know it. But the definition in verse 39, you're, blas- you're blaspheming God if you don't believe in his name, but what his benefits. You are blaspheming God if you want to have, if you don't believe in the name of Jesus. You don't use the name of Jesus. You don't swear by the name of Jesus. But somehow, some way, you want his blessings. Meach, didn't you just preach this on Sunday? I think that the young folk, Pastor, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a mouthpiece. I'm not, don't, don't blame me. Don't, don't, don't shake me out of here. The young people call it having a friend with benefits. You treat Jesus like a friend with benefits. That you want the blessing, you want all the fruits and the labor without the commitment. And that's not how this works. You cannot get the blessings of Jesus. You cannot get the blessings of God without believing in his name. Don't believe me? Here it is. John 14. Jesus himself says, whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name, I will be able to give it to you. So I come to tell y'all tonight, if you want the blessings of God, you got to believe in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody in here tonight that believes in the name of Jesus? Because in the name of Jesus, demons tremble. In the name of Jesus, atmospheres shift. In the name of Jesus, people get healed. In the name of Jesus, the blind can see. In the name of Jesus, the deaf can hear. In the name of Jesus, the lame can walk. Is there anybody in here tonight that knows something about the name of Jesus? There's power
power in that name. It's blessings in that name. It's strength in that name. It's joy in that name. It's peace in that name. You can't have the blessings without having the name. You cannot have the blessings without having the name of Jesus. It is the first thief that teaches us that some of us may be walking a finicky line, us blaspheming God because we want his blessings. We want his anointing. We want his favor without dedicating and committing our lives to him. The Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. Is there anybody in here tonight who can raise their hand? I got a little bit of faith. I got a little bit of mountain moving faith. Wave your hand like you're confident about is there anybody in here who can testify? I got faith. I'm almost out of here. But then, Lady Swan, it is the second thief, the one who repents, that not only teaches us a theological lesson, Shante, but he teaches us a sobering one. Because it is the, the repentant thief in verse 40, he said, but the other one answered, rebuked his homeboy. This ain't even part of my sermon. Every now and again, you got to be having the, the fortitude to check your friends who is disrespecting Jesus. Every now and again, your family, your friends who don't care about Jesus and talking about the side of their neck. I don't know about you, but anybody talk about my homeboy, I got to say something. I dare you today. Next time you go to work, at the family reunion, at the family meeting, if somebody took a sideways about Jesus, Check him right there. He checked him in verse 40. says, do you not even fear God? Seeing you in the same place he is. But here it is. In verse 41, he says, and we indeed justly receive this. We did something wrong. And we are paying the consequences. We made a mistake, a big mistake. And now, Anthea, we are suffering the consequences. And see, in biblical times, the way that the Roman Empire punished you or disciplined you with capital punishment is the crucifixion. Because after you made the mistake, they wanted, Mike, the consequence to be both painful and shameful. They wanted everybody to know you made a mistake. They want to make an example of you by making the mistake. They want everybody to see you suffer for making the mistake that you made. And that brings me to my next revelation tonight. I did not come to preach to everybody in here. I only came for a select few of us. I came to preach to some of us tonight who made a, made a, made a mistake long time in their life. I came to preach to somebody tonight who might have made a mistake. 
a big mistake that you're still living with the consequences today. I come to preach to somebody tonight who made a mistake that was full of pain and shame. I got a word for you tonight. I didn't come for the perfect saint. I didn't come for the churchy saints. I didn't come for the deacon saints. I came for those who have made mistakes. If you made a mistake in your life that you might have regret, wave your hand so I see who I'm preaching to. I'm preaching you tonight. I got a word for you. And this is the word that God gave me this morning. That if you made a mistake, guess what? Jesus is a swift deliverer. Don't believe me. Here we go. The word, Pastor. He says in verse 42, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Verily, 43 says, I say to you, today, today, today you will be with me in paradise. You got to check out what Jesus is saying. He told the person that made that mistake. He told that person who was living from the pain and the shame of their consequences. He told that person, because you have declared me as your Lord and Savior, because you want citizenship inside the kingdom, guess what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to deliver you from all this pain and this shame. I'm going to deliver you by taking you to a place you ain't never seen before. I'm going to take you to a place that is so majestic that is so incredible that is so beautiful matter of fact your human mind can't comprehend it your human mind can't imagine it the only word I can describe it to you is paradise I'm going to take you to a place where there's no more pain I'm going to take you to a place where there's no more shame I'm going to take you to a place where there's no more crosses I'm going to take you to a place where the streets pay with gold. I'm going to take you to a place where there's no more sin. I'm going to take you to a place where there's no more struggle. I'm going to take you to a place where there's many mansions. I'm going to take you to a place and change your wardrobe. Corruption, put on incorruption. Mortality, put on immortality. I'm going to take you to a place so beautiful. All the day long, the angels scream, holy, holy, holy. I'm so glad today that my God is a deliverer. Is there anybody in here that's here tonight? Is there anybody here that's online tonight who want to thank God that he's a delivery God? He's going to deliver me from my pain and shame. Anybody in here that made a mistake? Anybody in here that made a mistake? Anybody in here that made a mistake? Jesus is a deliverer. I'm gone. But before I go, one last question. Jesus, when exactly are we going? I'm out, Pastor. One thing. Hey, Jesus, you're my travel agent. When exactly are we going to paradise? Verily, I tell you, you'll be in paradise. Not tomorrow, not next month, 
Not next week. Not next year. But today. 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 Because the Bible says, why put off tomorrow when I can do it today? I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God says he's going to do something tonight. 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 In the name of Jesus. I feel it. In the name of Jesus. I know God. You are all time God. But my prayer, my prayer, God, do it. Tonight, 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 tonight. Do it tonight, tonight, tonight. Heal somebody tonight. Release the anointing tonight. Release the oil tonight. Release the fire tonight. Release the healing tonight. Repair the healing tonight. Tonight, tonight, tonight. Please remind me not to come behind him again. I feel like my little word is... <laughs> We're going to have our little word. We certainly give honor to God in this place, the spirit in this place tonight. Pastor, we pass and first lady, we honor you for again allowing us to do this, to exercise our gifts in this place, in this setting. And I'd have to be, again, I'd have to be remiss if I didn't recognize my wife, well, my, my son and my mother-in-law is back there, but my wife is back there too. And this year we'll be celebrating 37 years. So with that said, let us get to this word. I have word number three. It's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. And it reads, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clophus, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. 
to the disciple, he or your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her to his home. I like to use for a subject for this third word, uniquely human. Uniquely human. Let us pray. God, we're grateful and thankful for the opportunity to come and to proclaim your word once again. We ask that you be with us, Father, in the midst. Speak to us, speak through us. Let your word go forth, Father, and let it uh, reach a heart that's fertile and ready to reap a great and mighty harvest, Father. We thank you, we praise you, and we give your name glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uniquely human. What we need to set is the stage so far. Jesus' life has been a life of sheer stark turmoil for the past few hours. From the time that he was arrested in the garden until now where he's hanging on the cross, he's gone through trumped up trials, he's been beaten, he's been beaten, his flesh has been literally ripped from his bones. Uh, they used a whip that had metal and bone in the metal, in the, in the leather uh, pieces of the whip. Then he's been made to carry the cross out to a hill outside of the city of Jerusalem called Golgotha. It is also the same place called Calvary, depending, depending upon uh, which language you use. But there he is out there, and he's hanging on the cross. And he is literally paying the price that's necessary for our salvation. And in the midst of him hanging there and uh, um, on the cross, enduring the agony and the shame of crucifixion, depending upon which translation you may, you may read, some say that they were actually crucified naked. And so you can imagine that if that were the case, that not only are you facing the most heinous form of, of death known at that time through crucifixion, and the pain is at a level that we can't even comprehend, but then there is the level of humiliation that goes along with it. And there he is hanging on the cross. And it's amazing that he speaks anything but the, the first two words he spoke, he spoke out of his divinity. And now here we are at word number three. And Jesus, Jesus does something different. He now speaks out of his humanity. He speaks a word that is uniquely human. Can you imagine him hanging there on the cross and enduring that all that he is enduring and then being able to look down and see his mother. Not only does he see his mother, but he also sees the disciple, as it says, the disciple that Jesus loved, who we know to be John. Can you imagine how his mother felt to see her son hanging on the cross in that condition, enduring what he had to endure for our sake. And then he looks 
And it's almost as if, make no mistake about it, Jesus was actually in charge of his, of his life now. They weren't going to kill him. He was going to lay his life down when he decided. And it's almost as if Jesus said that he was going to, to, to put death on hold long enough to handle the care of his mother. And so there from, from the cross, he says, woman, behold, or here's your son. And then he looks at that disciple, John, and says, uh, here is your mother. Can you imagine how much he loved his mother to the fact that he would actually put death on hold to make sure that she was cared for? And maybe, just maybe, Jesus is telling us that no matter what you are facing, no matter how hard things get, what I really want you to do is to just be human. Uh, in the midst of the most inhumane of circumstances, Jesus pauses to be uniquely human, to speak to the care of his mother. You know how we are about mama. We, 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 we have a special place in our hearts for mama. And although my mom is gone, I, I, have, some, I have some mothers here at Ivy, and, and I was going to call some names, but I knew I would get in trouble. But I, I, just a few. Lonnie LeClark is one, and Iris Branch, and, 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 and Sister Simmons. But, but, but you know how we are about our mamas. We want them to be cared for. We want everything to be well with them. And Jesus was no different that even from the cross, he sought to have his mother cared for. By this time, it's believed that Joseph, her husband, is now deceased. And so therefore, the care of, of the mother falls to the eldest son. Jesus is her earthly eldest son. And so he realizes that it is his responsibility to look out for the care of his mother, and yet from all he's facing, from, from, from the pain and the agony and the beating and the blood and the sweat and the heat, he still seeks to care for his mother to make sure she's cared for. Can you imagine? Now, some people say that when he said woman, it's sort of cold and callous. But it's not. Because if you look at it in its context of that time, it's actually a term of endearment. It's, a, it's equivalent to saying, dear mother, or dear woman. And so he's saying, dear mama, I want you to be cared for. Uh, um, um, now, should, now, it should have failed to his other brothers. We don't know where they are, but yet, he chose John. And so now, the mother is to look upon John with the affection of a mother. And he is to look upon her as, as a son would his mother. But maybe what Jesus really wants us to know from this word is that regardless of how inhumane life is, you just be human. When I think of us being human, I think of John chapter 13, where he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another 
as I have loved you. And so all he's saying is that I, I know none of you will face what I faced with this on the cross. But even when life uh, becomes so inhumane and so unbearable, you still be human. Just be uniquely human. Love each other as I have loved you. Him hanging on, on the cross tells us exactly how much he loved us. And so he just wants us to know. Be human. Love each other. Just like I love you. Be uniquely human. Amen. Amen. Give honor to God, to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Of course, to uh, my bride, Mrs. Tab, the person who's going to come up here. And <laughs> Amen. To uh, Pastor and First Lady, bless you and honor you. To my brothers. And, and ministry and minister Jackie and to all the saints assembled. Jesus simply said in Matthew 27 verse 45 and 46 now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sapatate, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'm going to speak tonight about a picture of grace at the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now. I'm happy all the day. Standing at the foot of the cross, if you read all the Gospels, there were many, or there was a diverse crowd. One of the preachers before me told, told us that there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, and actually the Bible says there were like four Marys. There was a centurion, there were chief priests, there were scribes and elders and Sanhedrin, and there were people who just came along to see what was going on. So here's this crowd standing at the cross. Amen. The Bible tells it, gives a time of day, and the significance of the time is that on a normal day, if I can say, it wouldn't be that dark. So there's a sense of eeriness. There's a feel that probably 
had not even been experienced at other crucifixions. I believe because historian tells me that there were sounds being made, yes, sounds of Mary who was watching her son be crucified, but there was also sounds of others who had sounds of despair, sounds of discouragement, because whom they thought was going to give them a sense of deliverance and a future. There was an eeriness of a sound. And then there was this emotional detachment from some who was at the cross, where they were looking for their burdens to be lifted. But that emotional detachment, because the one hope that they had, was being crucified on the cross. But the songwriter in eternity future got a glimpse of the grace of God in eternity past. That's why the songwriter can pin on E as the author Matthew who was an eyewitness to what was going on and he pinned this not from what somebody else said, but he saw it with his own eyes. He heard it with his own ears, and he felt the eeriness and the darkness of the moment. That at the cross, at the cross, where all those had the opportunity to see their burden rolled away. So when Jesus cried out with that loud voice, Yes, theologians and teachers, and I do believe that that was the point where the deity, God in three persons, would be separated like it never happened before. But I also believe that through my Bible study that it was a point of grace at that moment. Because grace tells me that God gave all who was at the cross, a picture of what true separation really was. Some of us have been forsaken by mom, dad, sisters, and brothers. Some of us have been forsaken by church people. But I'm talking about eternity being forsaken by eternity. The incarnate God being forsaken by God the Father. True separation is when there's no more hope to have connection with God. So God's grace gave those who were at the foot of the cross the opportunity to see if you don't get your life right, There's a point where I have no choice but to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. For I never you. God gave his grace, allowed the centurion, the women, the scribes, to see 
that you got to get it right. Because as it was told before, it should be you on the cross. Because there'll be a point in time, church, that it ain't planned, and that's what Jesus' message was on there. It ain't time to be planned. You saw it. And let me know how you saw it. Because Matthew pinned it on paper. And because the grace of God said, I'm going to protect that passage of Scripture. So in 2023, the people at Ivy Baptist Church can get the same picture. And God said, now I'm setting before you life and death. What you going to do? Didn't matter who was at the foot because the message was the same. There were diversities in society lifestyles at the cross. Historians will tell you that there were a multiplicity of races at the foot of the cross. But Jesus gave a picture that all of us could be that person being forsaken, but it's because his grace is sufficient. And because he thought enough of you and I to be obedient to God. Got two minutes and I'm going to take my seat because God just gave me something. I ain't like, he ain't gave me the whole preach message. But I need to speak to the leaders in the house. Because Jesus is the ultimate leader. In leadership... Leaders, if you ain't ashamed to tell somebody you're a leader, raise your hand. You ain't got to be at Ivy. It could be on your job. If you ain't ashamed, tell me. Let me see where the leaders in the house. Leadership responsibility never gets put on the shelf because of the circumstance. Christ accepted his leadership responsibility. To be forsaken by eternity for you and I. God ain't asked you to be forsaken by anybody to do what he's called you to do in leadership. Stop playing with God. Because it's at the cross. Salvation was secured. But your faith should have been manifested that you can stand against anything. We live in a time, and I'm sitting down, and I don't know what's next one. I think it's you, Minister Jackson. But we're living in a time. I'm talking about the church now. I'm, I'm, I'm real about the church. Y'all, if y'all don't know by now, I ain't playing church no more. And I ain't playing with people. I'm washing my hands of people who don't want to get on board with God got to do. You ain't raising my blood pressure up no more. You ain't making me not sleep at night. Get behind me, church folk, Satan. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus that I'm going to do what God called me to do. And my assignment is to tell you and myself that if we don't get our act together, you'll hear the same thing. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Now, I didn't pray with you at the beginning because that was by strategic. Because, see, I'm going to pray with you now. 
It ain't invitation time, but it's always time to accept Christ. Are y'all with me? Because the gospel has already been, been shared. And let me tell you something. Y'all can play all you want to. You can look good. You can sing good. You can act good. But salvation ain't about your gift. People live their whole life, go to church, and die and bust hell wide open. I know y'all don't want, but y'all know my roots now. Y'all know where I come from. I'm preaching it just like it is. Because the Bible says faith come by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. I'm going to pray with you because I want you to be saved. I want you to know that a breath left your body this second, because it ain't got to wait till this program over, that you'll be with the Lord. Because somebody right now don't believe that. Father, I thank you that your word before me and your word that you gave me has been preached. Christ took the forsakenness from his internal being being separated, separated from the eternal father that we do not have to experience that. My prayer this moment, God, not asking anybody to come, but in their seat, that doesn't have to be their plight. Because you said, you let the songwriter say that at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and at that cross, the burdens of hearts were rolled away. Because it's there by faith, your people can receive their sight, and now they can be happy all the day. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. are powerful. Wow. Glory. Now first saying by Reverend Overby, he just said, just tell God that we just sorry because he is calling us. And then our second saying by Reverend Boyer, he is saying Jesus is a swift deliverer because he's going to take us to paradise. And then our third saying by Reverend Nichols, he said, just be uniquely human. Because Jesus caused death to make sure he took care of his mother. So we need to love each other as God has loved us. And then our fourth saying, Reverend Person told us that it was a picture of grace at the cross. Because at the cross is where we first saw the light. Thank you so much, brothers. God bless you. Now we're going to have offering, uh, but as you know, we have several ways to give. 
so you can give through the app, the website. Um, if you would like to give by check or cash, we do have boxes around, our drop boxes, so please feel free to um, give as God leads you to give. And now we're going to go to our last three. So our fifth saying is going to be Minister Meech Bailey. Yes, our thirst. Our sixth saying is going to be Minister Sean Potter. It is finished. And our last saying is going to be by Reverend Pretlow. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Yes. All right, brothers. Good evening, everybody. Um, before I give all the other shout outs, uh, Minister Ludi, you different. You, you, your joy is second to none. You gotta know God personally, cause I, is, I don't, I ain't never seen you frown. So either you hide it well, or you really just God sitting right next to you. So I don't know, but you are different. So thank you um, for being the MC for us tonight. Um, to Lady Swan and P. Geez, I appreciate y'all greatly for sure. Um, my fellow associate ministers, thank y'all so much um, for the family that y'all welcomed me into. Of course, last year, this time, and I watched the video. I had a basketball polo shirt on. Y'all should have snatched me up then instead of today snatching me by my hoodie. We're going to talk about that afterward. Miss Robin, I need your help with him. Um, but no, nah, it's just um, the difference in a year is amazing. Um, to see it from this side, it's a blessing. So I definitely appreciate y'all. Um, two shout outs in one week. My wife is in the building. Shout out to Bay. Yeah, I get points. That's two in a week. You girl, come on now. Um, my household for sure. Um, but yeah, just anybody in the 116 family, you know, we're different back there. I love y'all for sure. Y'all real ones. Um, but yeah, um, there's a heavy task today for sure. So I don't even want to be before you long. I'm gonna go ahead and get in, do this thing um, and get about here. I, of course, have the fifth word. Um, and it is I thirst. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. We're going to start this thing up. Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. And thank you for being you. Be with us now. Be with me now, Lord. You speak. Let me stand here and let your word go forth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, right, um, and I think I said this before. I said it last year. I've come to these many times as a young person, um, sat in the back, similar to our young people are sitting in the back now. And I know for a fact I really didn't understand what I was watching didn't understand what I was listening. Um, and if I'm going to be completely honest, growing up, the Bible made absolutely no sense to me. None. And some of you can be completely honest. You read the Bible now and it is super confusing, almost weird. But you hear here like, amen. I don't know what he's talking about, but amen. It's, 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 a, difficult, it's a difficult read. We got to be honest, right? And so I want to clarify some things about the Bible, specifically the New Testament, and then the Gospels for sure, just to help give clarity, right? The Gospels in themselves, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are four books accounting the same time period of Jesus' life, right? It's four different accounts, four different stories, people telling what they remember Jesus' time, right? Four different ones. 
So of course, if any of y'all have ever had someone run up to you, like if y'all know little kids, I work with young people. So I work at Crittenden, right? And there's, there was this time where all of the kids decided to run to my classroom and at the exact same time tell me the exact same story. All of them, right? If you've ever had people all talking at the same time, don't nobody want to give up no room, don't nobody want to stop to let one person go, everyone going to tell their side of the story, right? And it's crazy because these kids come up and, I'm going to be honest, they were telling me about a fight, so don't judge me. Maybe I should have gotten on them, but I wanted to know, you know, who won first. So I'm listening, and I'm hearing them tell me about this fight and this situation, and they're all just going ping, 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 ping. And I'm just like, okay, cool. And if you ever listen to a bunch of people tell the story differently, everyone's missing something, right? But if you, you really piece it together, you kind of find the truth in the story. And that's how we got to start looking at the Gospels. Because some people say that the Bible is confusing, contradictory. Well, no, nah, they didn't say that over here. It's four different people telling the same story. No, they're not going to get it right. We have common sense with that in the world, but we forget that when it comes to the Bible. Like, duh, come on now. So if you read it, it, it gets a little different. So I'm going to start with my key verse in John 19. I'm going to read 28 and 29, and I'm going to read the New Living's translation. And it says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hispus branch. hope I said that right. And held it up to his lips. That's the account from John, right? And I, I'm going to be completely honest with you, and I told Pete that earlier today. When they gave me my word, I didn't know what I was going to say. All I saw was, I'm thirsty. I'm just like, you couldn't have said nothing else, Jesus? Like, that's, you gave me nothing to work with. Like, I'm thirsty too, but you don't say, okay. So trying to figure out, like, where do I go with this? And to the point of what I just made, you really got to read all of the accounts, you got to get the whole story, right? So I really want to point something out to y'all that the Lord showed me, which is crazy, right? All four Gospels speak to this situation. But they, there's only one that speaks to it the way John speaks to it, and that's John, right? So we have Matthew 27. I'm going to read this very quick, right? You ask Matthew, what happened when Jesus was on the cross, blah, blah, blah. And listen, some bystanders uh, misunderstood what he said. You heard Reverend Person just say, he said, Eli, what did he say? Eli, Eli. Yeah, I don't know what you were saying. It was a language up here. My, God, my God. Well, that's what he said, my God, my God. But they heard Eli, Eli, something, something. And the Bible says, you know, some bystanders misunderstood him, thought he called for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled up a sponge with sour wine, held it up on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, 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 wait. Let's see if Elijah going to save him. All right. That's what Matthew said. Then you go to Mark. Mark says, well, some bystanders misunderstood him. They thought he was calling the prophet Elijah. One of them ran, filled up a sponge with the sour wine, held it up to him on a reed stick. And then somebody said, wait, wait, wait. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Then you go to Luke. Luke said, hey, the soldiers were mocking him, making fun of him. They tried to offer him some wine. They called it out. Hey, if you the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? Everyone's telling their side of the story. But then you get to John. And John is the only one that puts it in perspective. John says Jesus knew his mission was finished. He knew. So to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. He said it. 
Nobody else said that Jesus said, I'm thirsty, but John. The title of my portion for this word is called, he asked for it. Jesus asked for it. And a lot of times, if you, if you only get Matthew, Mark, and Luke's perspective, it can seem like they're just making fun of him. They're in control. They're teasing him. They're trying to pick on Jesus. They're trying to shove this in his face. But when you get to John, John lets us know Jesus was in control the entire time. The entire time. Everyone else saw what Jesus was going through. John looked at Jesus and said, he asked him for it. He said, I am thirsty to fulfill the scripture. He knew his assignment, like Reverend Person said. He knew what he was here for. And he decided to go through with it. So if you read the Bible, you find out that before this happened, Jesus was human. And like most humans, if you know you're going to go through something hard, you kind of ask to get out of it. Like, don't get it twisted. Jesus was human. And he won't stupid. He like, listen, this is going to suck. God, listen, is there any way I can get out? Can you take this cup from me? But then he also said, nevertheless, your will be done. He wanted out. And see, Jesus was like some of us. There are times we don't want to do what God tells us to do. We don't want to go through with it. And I'm not talking about the big, oh, yeah, Lord, you want me to preach, so I'll go preach. Nah, Lord, you want me to forgive my family member? I don't feel like it. But you know what? Your will be done, not my will be done. God, you want me to sacrifice some of these friends? You know what? I don't feel like it, but your will be done, not my will be done. God, you want me to walk away from this job? You want me to trust you even though I can't see it happening? I don't want to. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus went through with it. I'm going to say this again. Jesus went through with it. He could have walked away. The preachers before me said it. He was God and man. He could have said, no, I'm good. They don't rock with me anyway. Jesus went through with it. And for all of the people that watched what happened, John caught it and said, Nah, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. So he knew that would require them to do what they did. And his scripture says, to fulfill scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. To make sure he went through with it, he did what he had to do. He said, I am thirsty. I thirst. So that way, the Father's will will be done and not mine. So real quick, I just want to explain one thing that's also unique to John's scripture. Matthew says... Hold it up to him, and they put it on a reed stick. Mark said they put it on a reed stick. Luke said, well, they just offered him something to drink. John said, so they soaked it on a sponge, put it on a hispus branch, a hyssop branch. Nobody else mentioned what it was but John. So then, of course, I got to do research because we actually got to, you know, do right by this thing instead of just getting up here and talking. So I go in and I'm looking like, all right, why is he the only one that mentions this branch? So to go in a flashback, just to understand what a hyssop branch was used for back in the day, the Israelites, when they were in, or, yeah, when they were in Egypt and they wanted to be freed, and Jesus or God sent all these plagues and all this other stuff. There was a plague that he sent that was going to kill the firstborn son of every household. The firstborn son of every household. And in order for them not to get the punishment due to them, 
They were told to soak blood on a hyssop branch, put it on the door so that way the punishment would pass them by. The punishment wouldn't go to them because of what they did with the hyssop branch. Jesus specifically said, I'm thirsty, so that way you will bring that hyssop branch to me. I'll take the bitter taste of that, so that way they don't have to take the bitterness. Jesus did this. He knew what he was doing. But if you miss it and think it was just a sponge, you won't see the whole totality. John paid attention. I recognize that. My people recognize that type of branch. I can see for myself what he really did. Or also, it was also used for cleansing people, sanctification, cleaning people up. Those that were sinners and were deemed unworthy, they used the hyssop branch to clean them. What Jesus accepted was a bitter taste that we deserved. We deserved it. Reverend Person said it. We should have been on that cross. But he took it with the same type of branch that through all of the Bible has been saving his people. Jesus took it full circle. See, that's why you got to really read the Bible. The Bible is interesting. It starts off weird, but it's very interesting. Very interesting. To have that connected the way it is. So I'm going to ask you, and this is, and I'm going to take my seat because I told you, I'm sticking with my time. The rest of y'all was going. I'm sticking to my time. The question for you, Because let's be clear what the Bible says. We all have a cross to bear. Every last one of us. If you're not bearing a cross, you are not one of his followers. The word is clear. If you want to follow me, take up your cross. You literally just said it should have been us on the cross. We have our own now. But will you bear it? And not only will you bear it, would you ask for it? That's the question. Would you actually ask for it so that way the will of the Father be done and not the will of your comfort? Will you ask for your cross? The Bible says in Romans 8, 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We get the glory, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. You got to take both. Jesus is the name above all names, but he had to die. He had to taste the bitter wine. Would you ask for it? Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. I always say this because it's a true statement. God does not make a mistake. It's amazing what my brothers just preached and what I have right here. I will be preaching the sixth saying, it is finished. First given honor to God, who is the head of my life. 
I don't know what I would be or where I would be if it was not for me accepting his salvation gift over 30 some odd years ago. To my pastor and first lady, bless you. Two magnificent people that are over this branch of Zion and you couldn't do it any better. To my wife, she's working on 38 years being with me and I must be doing something right. Love you, sweetie. My biggest, my biggest chill. It's so funny. I came home early today from work just to hoosah a little bit, you know, not to come home from work and have to come right here. And I don't know how many times she asked me, was I okay? Because she sure was toe up about me coming up here. But that's my biggest cheerleader right there. I love you, baby. Let us pray. All wise and eternal gracious God, our Father, I thank you for this privilege and opportunity that you allow me to preach your word. Father, I ask that you use me as the vessel, but Father, that you do the preaching. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In God's name we pray, amen. I'll be coming from John 19, verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Bowed his head and gave up the ghost. If I was to pin this, I would pin it, know your assignment. It's easy for us to start things but we find it difficult to finish. Some of us say in January, we're going to start to exercise. Some of us say we're going to read more books. I'm pretty sure all of us at one point in time said, on Monday, I'm going on a diet. It's easy to start, but it's hard to finish. Jesus came from heaven down to earth on an assignment. His assignment was to teach the gospel, perform miracles, and most importantly, reconcile man back to the father. Because sin had crept in back in the Garden of Eden when Adam decided to sin. Jesus came in to start something that he definitely had to finish. He understood his assignment. We'll take you on a little short walk and so we can understand how he understood his assignment. Let's see. So as he was on his journey to the cross, he turned water into wine. He understood his assignment. He healed the son of a royal officer. He understood his assignment. He healed a crippled man that was at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. He fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. He understood his assignment. Jesus walked on water. He healed a man blind from birth. He understood his assignment. So here we are in John 19, verse 30, where they've nailed our Jesus to the cross. Nails in his hands, nail in his feet, crown of thorns on his head. And if it wasn't 
enough, they had the nerve to pierce him in his side. After all the things that he did to our Savior, they did the least, the last most disrespectful thing, and Meech just said so, when he asked for something to drink. It wasn't the fact that what they gave him, it was the disrespect of, I mean, it wasn't what that he asked for it, the disrespect and what they gave him. Some versions call it gall, some call it bitter wine, and they put it on a hyssop. There we go. But what they didn't realize is that the worst things they did to Jesus was the best things they could have done for us because he was fulfilling the scripture. And the moment that they gave him that bit of wine is when he yelled out in a loud voice. Some say that it was a joyful saying, it is finished. What was finished? It is finished in our in Greek translation is testolestai, paid in full. In the New Testament time, it was customary for testolestai to be written on legal documents or receipt indicating paid in full. Testolestai, it is finished. The mere malice and enmity of the prosecutors and how they've done their worst. It is finished. The ceremonial law is abolished and the period put to the obligation of it. It is finished. The veil is rent and the wall of partition is taken down. It is finished. The Lamb of God was sacrificed to take away the sins of the world and it's done. And the suffering of his soul and his body, it is finished. The workman, the man's redemption and salvation is now complete. It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Jesus completed his part of his assignment. I want to ask you a question before I take my seat. Do you know your assignment? Do you know your assignment? I'm reminded of a story of the Israelites had to walk around the Jericho wall. They were told to walk around seven times. And on the seventh time, they were told to shout. Yes, we want to shout because the walls came down. But what you got to think about is when the walls fell. Because what was holding them back is the very thing that allowed them to go in. So when the walls fell down, it was like a bridge into their destination. Do you know your assignment? Whatever is in your way, shout and let the walls fall down. Shout and let the walls fall down if it's fear shout if it's anger shout if you don't know what it is shout and let the walls fall down because that will be your way into your destination jesus knew his assignment do you know your assignment if you don't know i'm gonna give you a story real quick and let you know what he did for me a year ago Today, the, the doctors told me that I had a heart condition. My injection rate was at a 20. My blood flow was not good. They sent me to Norfolk to have a heart MRI. The key is not to have a defibrillator. I had to be at a 36. 
I was at a 20. Went to my doctor. He checked my blood pressure. My blood pressure got good. He said, hey, let's do another MRI. I was nervous. But what you don't understand is this. Every day, I had the potential to have a fatal heart attack. Can you imagine laying down, not knowing if you were going to wake up? But when I had my second MRI, and I went to the doctor, and he was looking through the paperwork, and he kept looking back and forth. He had a young intern that he was teaching. He was trying to figure out, what am I going to tell this intern in a medical term that just happened with Mr. Potter? He says, Mr. Potter, your heart has gotten stronger. The normal rate is 50 to 75. Mr. Potter, I'm looking at your report. It says you're at a 48. I no longer need a defibrillator. God has set me up for me to do my assignment. Here I am today, not needing a defibrillator. Can rest my head at night, not fearful of not waking up. I give God all glory because I'm doing my assignment. I understand that he's able to do above and above. You know the, you know the scripture. I am filled right now, but God is good. So if you don't know your assignment, I dare you to pray. If you don't know your assignment, I dare you to walk this righteousness and understand that each and every one of you has a job to do. God is able. God is able. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. It is finished. God said it is finished. And he hung his head and gave up the ghost. God been good to John Wesley Pretlow. I got a story to tell. Can the church say amen? Can we say amen one more time? Can we say amen, but this time lift it up a little bit? Say it one time, but this time turn your nose up a little bit. Hey. Amen, church. Lord, I feel good tonight. I feel good in my sanctified soul. God been good to me. Can we shout hallelujah? One more time. Amen and amen. First of all, we want to give honor to our most 
High God. To our pastor of this great church, Lady Swan, to all of my fellow ministers, clergy of the cloth, saints, members, and friends, it's good to be in the number. One more time. Amen. God blessed us to be on his wake-up list this morning. Someone laid down last night, didn't get up this morning. But I just feel good because God is good and truly he's worthy to be praised. Can we say amen one more time? Amen. amen. You know, after the first crack, it looked like a failure. After the second cry, it looked like a failure. After the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth cry, it looked like a failure. But there is one more cry. As I look tonight in the book of Luke, the 23rd chapter and verse 46, and it reads, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Let us pray. Father God, tonight, speak and I repeat after you. Help me, Lord God, to let not any distractions take my focus off of you. Lead me, guide me, and direct me in the way, my God, that you want me to go. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. And when Jesus had cried, cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. My brothers and my sisters, I like to watch the news. CNN, Wavy TV 10 News, MSNBC. And a lot of times when watching these newscasts, they have a breaking news episode. Am I right about it? Sometimes in the midst of the breaking news, they have what they call a developing story. Am I right about it? And sometimes in the midst of the breaking news and the developing story, they'll say, this just came in on the transistor. Tonight, my brothers and sisters, for my subject, this just came in on the transistor. He's still in control. He's still in control. Am I right about it? Well, Pastor Swan, when I look at this, I'm a little baffled. How in the world can someone who has been beat beyond recognition, totally out of it, limp, unconscious, 
but yet be able to hand something to someone. But let's look at this again. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Jesus, at this time, church, he's leaning and totally depending on his father, God. Am I right about it? And when you look at John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Jesus is depending solely on Jesus. And my brothers and my sisters, we should do the same identical thing with our possessions, with our families, with our vocations. We need to turn it over and let it depend totally and solely on Jesus. Am I right about it? And be sold out. Am I right about it? Jesus, the son of the living God. Jesus did no wrong. All he did was heal the sick, raise the dead, give sight to the blind, open up stuffed up ears, repair impaired limbs. Jesus, the son of the living God. But he's still in control. How do I know? Because I took a sneak peek at John 10, 18. No man can take my life. I got the power to lay it down. I got the power to pick it up again because I'm in control. He's still in control. No man can take my life. No man, I don't care who you are, white man, black man, blue man, red, no man can take my life except I lay it down because I'm still in control. Is your blood running warm tonight in your back? Because he's still in control. Can you see all right tonight? He's still in control. Are your kidneys functioning right? Because he's still in control. Are you right about it? Am I right about it? He's still in control. Because he's God of God. And he's Lord of Lord. And besides him, there is none other. He's still in control. He's still God of God. He's still Father God. He's still Jesus Christ. He's still a human being. He's still Jesus. Cried because he had a human character about himself. Jesus, Son of the living God, he's still in control. Regardless to what may go, regardless to what may come, he's still in control because he got all power. Some people have political power. Some people have economic power. Some people have the power of a good name. But God's got all power because he's God all by himself. He's a performing artist all by himself. He don't need no help from the welfare department. He don't need no help from the social service department. He don't need no help from human resources because he's still in control. He's still God of God. He's still healing the sick. He's still raising the dead. Still giving sight to the black because he's still. He's still. He's still in control. 
Chief! Woo! Oh, glory! to those that is wondering about this God that we are talking about. The one that died on the cross for us that we may have a right to the tree of life. So if you are here and you want to know who this Jesus is that we are talking about, we extend this invitation to you at this time. To, to the ministers that preached, y'all come on up, come on up in, in order, in the order that you preach. You are. Ivy, are we not incredibly blessed to have such gifted? Come on, y'all, let's show our love for them tonight. Incredible, incredible ministry opportunities tonight. And, you know, we have grown to the point where um, we have more sons and daughters than we have opportunities uh, to preach. So I want to recognize Reverend Callie, who is not with us tonight. She's still in school at Howard, uh, still fulfilling her master's degree in social work. I know she's watching, so uh, Reverend Callie, we miss you tonight, but we thank you. Amen. Uh, we, we recognize also Minister Underwood. Him and his family are out of town tonight, so uh, we pray for safe travel. We have Minister Tabitha. Come on, stand up, Minister Tabitha, as well. Who also is with us. We thank God for Minister Ludy. Come on, let's give Minister Ludy a big enough praise. 
And then we have some of our sons and daughters, Reverend Woodard. Come on, stand up, Reverend Woodard, man. We're glad to see you tonight. We're glad to see you. Minister Jasper, come on, Minister Jasper, stand on up, man. And so uh, this is uh, a great night for me because I get to sit back and, you know, when you're a parent, you get to sit back and watch your sons and daughters. It's a proud feeling, right? And, and there's, a, there's a period where it shifts and it switches, where when they're young, you are their parent. But as they grow up, the roles change where I become their dad, right? You know, so it's more than they're in my shadow. Now, I'm just proud to be known as their father in ministry. And they have done an incredible job. And so we thank God for them. Last but not least, uh, I want to recognize that their spouses are here. Uh, would you all stand tonight, please, if the spouses are here? Yeah. Y'all come on up and come on up, stand by. Claim yours tonight. Y'all come on up here. Yeah, come, come on up here and claim yours. Come on, claim yours. Come on, claim yours. Yeah, there you go. Claim yours. There we go. We don't want no trouble. Well, no trouble. Claim, claim, claim yours. We, yeah, it's always the one kid, ain't it? It's always. Now, now, before we go, in all seriousness, Reverend Pretlow, we need to know: Do you still have a transistor? That's what. That's what we need to know. Did y'all want to know that, don't you? I know y'all wanted to know that question, didn't you? But all of y'all preach to the glory of God, and we just are so proud of y'all. So, we're not going to belabor the point tonight. I know the hour is late, so let's all stand, please. I'm going to close out in prayer. I want y'all to come on up and greet them and show your love. Uh, thank you to our music ministry. Let's give them a big clap off in the praise as well. To our praise team. To Bill up top, JP and our Sam, everybody who had a part in this tonight. So God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that are in this house, uh, for the incredible ministry opportunity tonight. And God, we pray that you were pleased with what has taken place. And I pray that you would pour back into them all that they deposit for all the time of preparation and study. God, we just want to say thank you for using them in the way that you did. We give you glory and honor, God, because we can see their growth and their development, and we know that you're spending time with them in quiet moments. And so, God, thank you. Thank you that we have a church that is bigger than one individual. Thank you that we have a ministry that can continue on, even if I'm not here. And so, God, we thank you for that. And now, God, bless us as we leave tonight. Bless these ministers and their families. God, just be with us in the days ahead. Now, God, may your grace, your peace, and your power keep and sustain us all in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. All right, come on, y'all greet them. Y'all come on up here and show them some love. We love y'all. Have a great night, everybody.